Stuart Preston, and this is the Consciousness Podcast, where each week I have a conversation with an expert in human consciousness. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with theoretical quantum physicist and quantum activist, Dr. Amit Goswami. Dr. Goswami is a retired full professor from the University of Oregon's Department of Physics, where he served from 1968 to 1997. He is a pioneer of the new paradigm of science called Science Within Consciousness, an idea he developed in his seminal book, The Self-Aware Universe. Dr. Goswami has written many other popular books based on his research on quantum physics and consciousness, including his latest book, The Everything Answer Book, in which his basic premise is that quantum physics is the key to understanding consciousness, life, death, God, psychology, and the meaning of life. In short, quantum physics is indeed the theory of everything. It was an insightful discussion, so please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Amit Goswami. Dr. Goswami, I really appreciate you taking the time, you know, to join the Consciousness Podcast. So, you know, if you could, you know, please give us a little background on what your areas of studies are and your theories, you know, especially as that relates to, to consciousness. First of all, I'm delighted to talk to you about all this. Um, Wonderful. My background is quantum physics. I uh, mm-hmm. have been a physicist all my life. And in the 70s, I became interested in um, the quantum measurement problem. Uh, this is something that I avoided when I was a young man because my advisors all told me that that's a blind alley. But in the 70s, I was um, a full professor, um, did not have any academic worries, or it seemed like that. So I thought, why not do a meaningful problem? doing it will make me happy. That was my motivation. So I um, engaged with quantum physics and very soon found that consciousness is basic to it. Um, Partly it was intuition, partly it was the social more. um, There was that uh, enormous wisdom packed in a slogan that Fred Allen Wolf created, we create our own reality. So uh, that was a good mantra to have, and I wanted to see if there is any basis to it. Uh, who is we? And naturally comes in. What is consciousness? Mm-hmm. Who are we really, right? Mystical questions. And so I hobnobbed with mystics, and one day I was talking to one, and uh, the solution of the quantum measurement problem popped out. That was an amazing experience. Okay. And I know, I know that, you know, in, in your work, that a lot, a lot has been from the, the personal angle also as part of a personal improvement. So, you know, we'll ask some questions about that. Um, but uh, so how would, you, how would you define consciousness? You know, I, I, I have had the privilege of talking to so many different people from philosophers to neuroscientists and musicians, um, but you're the first quantum physicist that I've, I've spoken to. So what... What, uh, how would you define consciousness? Well, um, it is actually, in quantum physics, it's very easy. Um, it's natural. Uh, quantum physics, uh, the way I saw the meaning of quantum physics, the way it unveiled to me, and it is clear that this is the only uh, solution of the quantum measurement problem. I think people who don't see it are just being obtuse. I will explain to you in a, you know, gradually. But consciousness is the ground of being. It, um, everything else, all our experiences come from consciousness. 
their potentiality of consciousness itself. And consciousness chooses out of these possibilities to make actual events of experience. This is in a nutshell what consciousness is and what consciousness does. The rest of it we can put together. Spiritual traditions have done a good job. Uh, They all started with the idea of who are we, that question, and they have given pretty good answers. So when we um, mix up the two, science and spirituality, and try to integrate them, we find that, ah, this is very nice. The um, whole science can be backed up to 5,000 years of origin. Uh, We have been doing consciousness studies for a very long time. Only scientific study only recently agreed. Okay. Um, So what, you know, this is a, a question that just came out of your answer there. So what, you know, we talk about the meaning of life or who are we, what, what have you discovered in, in your studies between quantum physics and, and consciousness? Do you, what kind of answers have you found to those questions? Uh, um, so this consciousness at the ground of being has a very fundamental meaning in it. And fortunately, this is an experimentally verified deal. So uh, we should not have any argument about it, although people somehow manage to argue about right. it. <laughs> but truly... Right. Uh, What it means is that uh, consciousness is one. This oneness is not debatable. It is already verified. What we have verified is that objects, quantum objects, if they interact uh, by being close together, they become what we say correlated. We use the special word uh, or we, we say entangled. They become entangled. What it basically means is that they become one. So... Okay. And, and this oneness has been verified. We verified how uh, the prediction is that even if the objects move galaxies apart, even then they will be able to communicate with each other. How do they do that? They cannot do it with signals. Signal communication according to the theory of relativity and experimental data take a finite amount of time because signals have a speed limit, the speed of light. So the wisdom is very clear that they are doing signalless communication, instant communication without signals. When one does does that, we say that the two objects are really one object. Because when when don't you need a signal to communicate? Only when you are communicating with yourself, right? So the two objects are one. This oneness is basic of quantum physics. And that oneness is what our consciousness is. Consciousness is the fundamental, um, oneness is the fundamental property of consciousness. And that's what ground of being means. So once you have said that, then uh, who are we is very clear. We are uh, one, but quantum physics is also making it very clear that spiritual traditions didn't realize that that oneness is a potentiality. So we are not one uh, in actualization. To actualize it, we have to correlate. We have to interact. We have to love each other or whatever it is it means for human beings to interact together. So when you're talking about uh, consciousness, you're, the, 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 consci- the consciousnesses are entangling just like quantum particles. Is yes. that what you're saying? So we are really all connected. When we, when we get close to each other, our consciousness entangle and they even stay in that state regardless of um, proximity. 
Right. And and the idea that the two brains can be so entangled as two quantum objects can, that idea has also been verified experimentally by the phenomenon of transfer potential. Electric and I'm sorry, say that again, the, the, the phenomenon of? Of transferred potential. Uh, electric potential can be transferred from one brain to another without any electrical connection. This is an amazing experiment that Jacobo Greenberg uh, at the University of Mexico did first in 1993-94, but then the experiment has hmm. been repeated in two dozen laboratories. It's now one of the most uh, accepted but enigmatic experiment that we have to deal with in neuroscience and quantum physics makes it easy to understand. Right. Wow, that is remarkable. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Um, I think you've already answered this next question, but you, you describe quantum consciousness um, in some of your, your writings. And, and I guess I wanted to know, one of the things that, you know, in reading through your materials and looking at, you know, your videos, the idea of quantum consciousness, is there, I hear similarities between quantum physics, you know, with, with particle wave theories and quantum consciousness and how they, how you just described it to me, but is there something underlying quantum consciousness that is caused by quantum physics? Well, uh, quantum consciousness is not caused by anything. Quantum consciousness okay. is the ground of being. Remember, quantum con okay. quantum consciousness, because consciousness in this rendition, the consciousness that you can study with science, is the consciousness where consciousness is the container, is the ground for all quantum potentialities. So this okay. consciousness is to the, to the extent that physical laws can take us. Beyond this, does consciousness exist even beyond this? That is a very, very good question. And I have to agree that yes, consciousness could, could, could exist even beyond physical laws. And, but then we cannot talk about it within science anymore. So I don't. The consciousness okay. we can talk about is the consciousness, which is the ground of being for all potential experience that we have. Mm -hmm. And that, okay. that consciousness is quantum consciousness because the possibilities okay. are quantum possibilities. Okay, I think I'm I think I'm getting that now. Um, you you mentioned, you know, somewhere I read you mentioned a need to integrate science and spirituality. So how exactly can those two be integrated, and and how does quantum physics and quantum consciousness come into that? Yes, this is a very very uh, good question that we should address. This is the fundamental question. We create our own reality, and that's now pretty obvious because consciousness chooses out of its own potentiality the actual events of experience. This is all very fine and dandy to hear, but um, of course, how does it connect to our spirituality? Because that's where the manifestation has to occur, obviously. Right. So, um, you know, the oneness is, the, of course, the basic connection. But after oneness, there is another basic connection too, which is very important. The um, consciousness that comes to us, it becomes individualized, obviously, and brain plays a, plays a role. Now, we have to remember that the spiritual traditions, uh, they're very old, and there was no science. There was no understanding of the brain in those days. 
and therefore they leave the brain out. They don't talk about it. Right. They don't talk about how this one consciousness became uh, individualized, became so many. This is the one big unanswered question of mysticism, how the one becomes many. And right. this, now we can answer because, of course, quantum physics can take up neuroscience. And, of course, I have in all my books, I have uh, dis discovered, discussed uh, in detail how the one becomes many, how the brain becomes involved, how the brain gets a self by um, allowing consciousness to um, identify with it in the process of quantum measurement, the observer effect. So mm -hmm. all these things are um, uh, clear now. So we can uh, not only validate the basic spiritual oneness, but we can also help the spiritual traditions in terms of filling up the gaps, like how the one becomes many and the likewise the gaps that exist that requires the brain, the body to fill in the gaps. We now can give those backing ups to the spiritual teachings. And that makes the spiritual practices much easier. I'll give you one very prominent example. Spiritual did discover the importance of meditation in terms of being spiritual, being happy, and all this in the spiritual literature of every tradition, including Christianity, Hinduism, where I came from, Buddhism, mm -hmm. Judaism, everywhere. There is very clear instructions right. of how you can meditate, how you can pray, how you can get to that unity. Uh, what is not very clear, however, is the actual details of how you go to it. Or if the details were written down in some places, like Yoga Sutra, uh, Patanjali, uh, that's an Indian uh, tradition book, that mm -hmm. book has clearly written instructions of the details of how to go there. But the um, people who interpreted those texts, uh, they did not practice, and they had very little experiential idea of what Patanjali is talking about. So almost everybody made mistakes in propagating those instructions. With quantum physics, we now have the process totally uncovered. We know the creative process that leads to the realization of spiritual oneness. So this is the kind of help that the new science can give the only problem, of course, is, Stuart, and then this is human problem, all human mm -hmm. beings have the tendency of resisting. Just as scientists resist this oneness idea coming into science, because that makes science ooh, mystical. Similarly, right. spiritual traditions also resist for their trade becoming scientific and people laying out exact prescriptions of what to do in order to rich spiritual happiness and spiritual truth. So you're getting resistance from both sides yes. on what you're seeing real good evidence for. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, and I guess uh, kind of along those same lines then, um, you know, you, you point out that consciousness exists outside the brain. So, you know, talking to philosophers about this, you know, they call it, you know, dualism and not physicalism. Um, you know, can you expand on, on your observations and, and your ideas about consciousness existing outside of the brain? 
you know this is a, this is, this debate should not take place but again as we already decided so many debates that have been decided still take place because we, people just do not take the time to look at the data the data mm. now clearly shows this concept non locality we do not need dualism to understand how a non physical thing and a physical thing can interact we do not need dualism dualism was a concept that was needed because we had this problem of mind a non physical entity or consciousness a non physical mm-hmm. entity and the question arose how does that interact with matter a very very good question because you know there are no signals between the two if signals were there it would violate the law of conservation of energy energy right and by signals but if it's no signals ever go out of the material world we know that the energy of the material world is always constant so that rule that is ruled out and ancient people did not know that signal less communication is possible so they resorted to dualism they somehow interact that dual and we don't know how but now we know they are not dual they are non dual they are one they they interact because they interact to the oneness it's all one the oneness all, all the oneness yes and the communication through oneness is called non locality that's the interpretation of quantum physics okay yeah that that makes sense that carries through mm-hmm. so then when you're talking about survival of consciousness after death um so something you know there's the oneness between the the physical brain and and consciousness the the signals are not going from one to the other they are just connected in that oneness what happens after death and how how can consciousness survive at that point is i know it's not it must be tied is tied in quantum consciousness to the brain but when the brain ceases to function what happens to consciousness yes so this is a very good question you know this 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 is a fundamental question and this question can be answered today this is this is really something to be very proud of as a scientist wow because when i first encountered the question i thought eh, how can we address this you know because uh, this is outside of the realm of realm of science right um and many people feel that way in the religious traditions as well that is where science stops but no science doesn't stop because as you said consciousness is the ground of being means that consciousness always survives so then we have to ask the question um consciousness and its potentiality so is there a part of our memory that is uh, different than the memory we have in the brain brain memory is local memory we call it local memory because it's it's it's, it's formed in a in a local place where we can gather it through local means and so we can say that it's really resides in the brain and so brain dies the memory goes and that is the conventional wisdom so reincarnation or survival after death is meaningless of course the chink was created by the phenomenon of near death experiences because in this phenomenon uh, people die but right have experiences anyway and then they come back and report those experiences which can be verified by others amazing right like a person would hover in the ceiling and then they would see the operation they would describe details and later 
the expert matters, talk with the surgeon, talk with the nurses, uh, talk with the helpers, and they would verify that, yes, what the person described is correct. So in this way, we know that there is uh, survival after death. There is no doubt about it, because these people did die. Their brain died. The EEG recording clearly shows it stopped. Right, right. So in that way, uh, is there consciousness beyond the brain? This question is now unambiguously answered by science. Cardiology has settled this issue. So then the question of how. The how is answered by quantum physics. This one, I won't go into the details because it will take a long time, but the one line answer is, it's called delayed choice. We choose from the potentiality, but we don't have to choose at once. We can choose later for something to happen before. So in this way, potentialities remain potentiality, and people have all those things in potentiality. But then at the moment that they are revived, with a delay they choose not only their present experience, but also those things in potentiality that was relevant to them. This question of relevance is very important. And then the entire thing actualizes in sequence, going backward in time. Complex, uh, complex um, uh, theory, it takes a little while to understand it, uh, but, mm-hmm. but that's the nuts and bolts of it. And this uh, then uh, gives you a theory and experimental data to validate the near-death experience. And once survival after death is established, then the next level, reincarnation, is also very simple to establish by simply realizing that part of our memory is not in the brain. It's non-local. This concept of non-local memory is the basis of explaining reincarnation. Because if Mm. part of the memory is non-local, resides in outside of space and time, outside the brain, then uh, it can be inherited by a future being who is being who is going to be born in some uh, future place and a future time, um, and that person could very well be called my reincarnation. In other words, we have to admit that there could very well be scientific laws which allow such things. We should not be so obtuse to insist that no, all laws must come from physical laws. This is a insistence that scientists have to give up. There are laws beyond physical laws because laws fundamentally are determined by consciousness. So can there be laws beyond the laws of quantum physics? Yes, there can be. And those laws are part of the laws of reality. Um, mm-hmm. Quantum physics governs the laws of the experience, the things that we experience. But beyond that, also, there are things that uh, we don't experience um, as, as whole. We can piece it together, but we cannot experience what happened in our chain of existence of the entire chain of reincarnation that you or I have undergone. We cannot experience the totality of it. But is that right. outside of science? No, there is a scientific law that such a chain will exist. That is what we have to recognize. And then everything falls together. The data is already there. Enormous amount of data has been collected by many, many researchers 
uh, in the 20th century going on even now. Past life regression is now very useful therapy. Um, I should mention Ian Stevenson, who did the crucial work in establishing that the past life recollection of children in India, Ceylon, even in the West, lots of them, they're all valid because um, he followed them through and painfully, case by case, uh, verified that what the children are saying, that is actually correct. Right. Yeah, and it does seem to be that consistency of the reincarnation bringing in the external memories, just the way a near-death experience person develops memories during the near-death experience and then brings those back in and those become memories that they can then access. Yes, very good. Very well put. Wonderful. Okay. Actually, it happened. And the, and, the, and the scientific word is relay choice. In the case of uh, reincarnation, similarly, the memory is non-local. That's the crucial concept. Right. Right. Very interesting. So that kind of leads me to, you know, I've had a couple guests talk about panpsychism, the idea that everything has consciousness. Some, some people say every living thing. Some people say even non-living objects. You know, how, how, do, how do your theories play into that idea that there is some level of consciousness in, in every living thing or even some objects? Yes, that, 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 is, uh, that is true, but one has to make a clear distinction. When they say consciousness, they are talking about conscious awareness. And that is not, mm. that is obviously not true. A rock does not have conscious awareness. Once you right. distinguish, in quantum physics, we are forced to distinguish because there is this domain of potentiality and then there is domain of actuality that we experience. The two are different. And, and once you acknowledge the difference, what's the difference? Difference is that the domain of potentiality is our unconscious. That was discovered by Freud. Jung studied it and so forth. It's quite well mm -hmm. used psychology today, nobody objects to the concept of unconscious, except the scientific materialist. But, you know, it's a benign objection because unconscious is part of everybody's understanding of ourselves today. Nobody can really object to it uh, with straight face. So it's, a, it's a one of those funny situations. Um, but so this is the key to understanding, unconscious and conscious. So uh, is a rock uh, conscious? No, it does not have conscious awareness. In that sense, uh, it does not have consciousness. On the other hand, is it consciousness in the sense that we talked about in as a domain of potentiality, as uh, the ground of potentiality? Yes, uh, a rock is as much a part of it as the human brain is. Only mm. difference of human brain as a potentiality, it can be both subject and object, whereas the rock as a potentiality can only manifest as an object. That's the difference. Okay. That makes sense. Um, what about expanding that to the idea of uh, cosmic consciousness, that, there, that there's a higher level consciousness that we can potentially, you know, I guess, I guess in, in your terms, maybe the, the oneness, you know, making that, that entanglement to this higher consciousness. You know, some people have written books about the idea that only only a very few individuals throughout our history have been able to tap into this so-called cosmic consciousness and even um aldous huxley in his book uh, the doors of perception talks about the brain the human brain almost being a filter preventing us from accessing this consciousness do you think that 
you know, your studies are consistent with the idea of a, of a cosmic consciousness like that? Yes, definitely. I mean, the cosmic consciousness is precisely what I'm talking about, consciousness as the mm. being, this quantum consciousness. And uh, the actualization brings us to the world of manifestation that we experience, the ordinary space-time world. So this is, this right. is very clear in quantum terms. And um, then you can also make a um, case for uh, slight uh, exaggeration on the part of many people. Um, we do not really have to take uh, hallucinogens to experience this um, cosmic consciousness. Uh, I know many people did, and that's a good thing. LSD is mm -hmm. a very crucial thing in terms of the freeing of the Western mind towards this cosmic consciousness. I agree with all of that. But actually, as we now look and look more carefully with quantum physics in our hand to guide us, we find that, no, this, this consciousness is with us in a very regular way. It's not as foreign as we first thought. Yes, it, 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 mm. it, the drug experience is enormously uh, wonderful. And that kind of experience, in order to have it in regular life, we have to meditate and be creative for years, agreed. But having agreed to that, it is also true that we experience this cosmic consciousness every day in the form of intuition, in the form of appreciation mm. of, of beauty, in the form of appreciation of love. Because every incident like that expands our consciousness. Where did that expansion come from? It comes from that same quantum non-locality. Once we understand that, that simple processing of meaning, simple processing of noble feelings like love takes us into an expansion of consciousness, we are experiencing cosmic consciousness. That realization should uh, forever put to rest the idea that it is very difficult to get in and only a few people have access. No, that is not true. Everybody has access and it's only our reluctance to access it or our reluctance to follow through, or our reluctance to understand uh, that keep, prevents us from doing it. Okay. That's interesting. I hadn't really considered that part before. It's actually pretty exciting. Yes, that is why I keep on uh, <laughs> doing my work, because, because yeah. one time one of you will change the world, because we can. It is very clear that it's not esoteric like we thought once. You know, there were secret, secret societies. Sacred societies were all secret societies because people really seriously thought that only a few people can access this. No, that is not true. We, everybody can access it. It, it. The only reason that a few people are accessing it because only a few people are courageous enough. But the point is yeah. you don't need courage. All you need is understanding. All you need is to recognize that this is the job of science. Once we could not understand how it is that the earth can be round. Once we could not understand how it is that the earth goes around the sun and not the other way around. But now we do, it's routine, everybody does. And same thing, things that we cannot understand today becomes routine and this is why we prefer the scientific approach. Yeah. All right, that's great. And that, that gets to have me thinking about a lot more things after we get done here too. Um, 
so the uh, my next question, and you touched on this actually earlier about creativity, and you had mentioned that creativity plays a role in what you describe as a, a discontinuous creative insight, and it sounds to me like you're talking about freeing consciousness from this the duality you talked about or the physical, you know, physicalism. And, and so can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. So um, this is, this creative process is uh, very, very important. And quantum physics explains it very, very well. Uh, hmm. Empirical researchers just around the time when quantum physics was being discovered, 1925-26, just around that time, creativity researchers made a very fundamental discovery that creativity has four stages. The first stage and the fourth stage, first stage is called preparation. Um, that's easy to understand. It's done in our conscious awareness, very clear. Mm -hmm. The fourth stage is manifestation. And most of it, writing a book, writing um, a poem, or uh, writing a song, or drawing a picture, all of this seems like we are manifesting more or less staying in conscious awareness. So again, right. no problem. But the creativity researchers discovered there are two uh, stages which are in between. One stage is where people do nothing. Nothing, literally. The imagery of incubation was given. A bird sitting mm. on an egg, doing nothing. So how can doing nothing help uh, an act? We are a creative work certainly is an act. How can doing nothing can help doing? This is a mystery. And then the third part is really a mystery because it seems like creative people have uh, experiences that make them exuberant, very joyful, and uh, comes with a huge surprise. Why the surprise? You know, creative experiences are often called aha experiences. <laughs> but why? Why surprise? So all that is explained in quantum physics. In quantum physics, we say that yes, sitting is good, doing nothing is good, because that's when the unconscious processes your problem. And unconscious processes it much better. Much better because things become waves in the unconscious, and waves expand. Yeah. So you start with a little thought, and that little thought becomes the seed of a very large number of potential thoughts. And then out of those potential thoughts, consciousness has a much better chance of choosing the answer to your problem. That's how creativity works. Do and be. Oh, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> yes. And you know, uh, I discovered that no, you cannot just do for a while and be. And insight comes, it's not like that, because my own experience was not agreeing with it. And then I thought about it, and then I had a dream. I dreamed that the, you know, there were some abstract figures which are very, very busy on this stage, and, and they're gambling, they're, they're, they're dancing, they're singing. A background right. says that these are angels of doing. And then they go away, and to my surprise, uh, other stick figures come and they sit on the stage and do nothing, just in their being, meditating. And then they go away and the doing angels come back. So I get the idea when I wake up, huh. do, do, be, do. You have to do repeated alternative doing and being, preparation and sitting, doing nothing. 
So right. um, this is now uh, what is what produces what we call a quantum leap, that the third stage. In the third yeah. stage, we have this insight. The aha comes because of a uh, discontinuity between previous thought and the current discovery. Current discovery has absolutely nothing, nothing in previous thought. It's a total discontinuous thought. And that is why we are surprised. Huh? I didn't know it would be like right. this. <laughs> and so that then, yeah. so, so, you know, these four stages of creative process that quantum um, approach enables us to explain, this is a very, very big progress because now that we understand creativity, it is very clear that creativity, just as spirituality, is not an esoteric thing. It's not reserved for the geniuses. Anybody can be creative. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, it's interesting. You know, as a creative person, one of the things I do in my, my own creative life is I do stand-up comedy. And I tell everybody that they're funny because everybody is funny. Everybody has, is inspired to laugh and make other people laugh. And I've never even thought about the fact of, uh, or thought about the, the notion of where do creative ideas come from and why do we feel surprised? And so I, I find it uh, very, very pleasant and, and surprising that, that that came out of, out of this conversation and your own studies on, on this, on quantum consciousness. That's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's it for the, the questions I had relevant to um, specific to, to consciousness and, you know, and looking at your materials and all, all the stuff you put out there, obviously, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, put, put out there, you've got, you know, the everything answer book, you know, we're going to promote and I think everybody should go out and, and get a copy of that. Um, you've got a lot on Amazon, you know, very prolific writer, a lot of amazing books out there. And um, I'll put links to your, your store everybody go take a look at that but in, in addition to to that is there anything else that you would like to like to discuss or like to put out there something that's you know on top of your mind that's maybe maybe even just outside of the the topic of consciousness absolutely you know the i have uh, proposed the idea of quantum activism in order to break through the benign neglect that uh, traditional scientists uh, give to this kind of theory because they, they become scared that science and religion will talk to each other and science will become mushy and what have you. But this, right. this feeling got to go. The fact is that we are spiritual. We, have, we come from the spirit, oneness, and uh, as important as science is, it is important also to recognize that oneness and also to recognize that our happiness lies in the oneness. It is true that we have some happiness built into the brain and that comes from molecules in the brain like dopamine. But it is also true mm -hmm. that this expansion of consciousness that we uh, find happening as we love another person, as we explore meaning, as we see a thing of beauty, this is also very real. Not as explosive as molecular pleasure, but this is uh, permanent because once I learn to listen to good music, once I learn to look at flowers, uh, there's no end to it. You know, I don't have to do right. special. Just buy some flowers or you know, take a walk in the woods and 
there it is. There is beauty. And I can always expand my consciousness that way. So uh, a lot of avenues of happiness uh, have become closed because you have isolated science and spirituality. In fact, it's a little bit coming back, even Harvard, you know, the latest uh, news I, I saw at Yale is that, that people are, students are registering maximally in a course called happiness. And happiness hmm. is fundamentally, as I said, uh, aside from molecular happiness, the happiness is fundamentally a phenomenon of consciousness. It comes from expansion of consciousness. So this is a very good thing. This very good progress. So I developed a movement called quantum activism. We should become yeah. active and actively propagate quantum physics, quantum worldview. Uh, however, there is an entrance requirement in order to do that, uh, because quantum physics is a little more difficult to understand than people are used to, especially today, you right. know, we're not into reading books very much. They're more into <laughs> Being images and uh, stuff like right. that. Information processing has grabbed people in a major way. You know, um, it's a sort of adventure and stupidity that we are doing, kind of. So we have to be a little patient um, and recognize that we uh, must uh, illustrate quantum physics to them to people uh, by changing, by seeing that yes, using quantum physics really makes you happier. So I suggest quantum activism is an activism which is different from ordinary activism where we try to change the world, but we ourselves don't change. My slogan is that we change the world as we change ourselves. It's very much like Gandhi who said, uh, be the change that you want to see in the world. Yeah. So quantum activism is similar. Um, it does a little bit better than Gandhi because it gives you a method. It says that use the creative process and then you teach it. Creative process on yourself, be creative, be happy, and then you teach how to be creative and how to be happy using the quantum world. Always remain in the practical realm. The philosophy is interesting, of course, but the philosophy is not it. We have to live the philosophy. And what better to exemplify that this philosophy uh, if we live, we become happier, uh, but to exemplify it in your own life. You say to people that right. you've lived it and look at me, I'm happy. And it becomes obvious. So have you found that in, in your own quantum activism, in your, in your own personal life, that you become happier as a result of all this? Absolutely. I have a scale of happiness going from zero to six. I put myself at four. <clears throat> wow. So... This, 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 yeah. this really contributes to your life. I mean, I have verified it. I have verified, I have traveled the road and I'm sanguine that one can go all the way. You know, I started very late. I started uh, in my middle age, in my 40s. If people start early, they can go all the way. All the way. To what Wonderful. I, yes. And, and I assume that there's more information on, on quantum activism and, and how to use it to improve one's own happiness on your website? Yes, I have that. I have a book called How Quantum Activism Can Save Civilization. Uh, mm -hmm. The book, uh, the latest book that you mentioned, um, Everything Answer book, uh, that also has uh, a lot of, uh, lot of quantum activism in it. Um, I want to bring quantum activism to social problems. You know, right now, 
American politics, as you know, is in, in tremendous turmoil. Uh, we have elected a president yes. who does not act in the conventional presidential way. And right. So uh, Americanism, which is the idea of melting pot, the idea of unity, that is being challenged from a very fundamental level. Can we do anything about it? So, you know, these are the kind of questions that I engage. Uh, I give workshops teaching people how to change our economics, how to change our politics. And as we uh, make them more commensurate with spirituality, the answer is always the same. Our problems can be solved. What we have to do is that science and religion have moved two separate ways, and that is reflecting in the dichotomy that we have today in our political parties. And all that can go away if the religions recognize that they are taking a parochial position of spirituality as is science. And this parochial mm. position can all be integrated uh, looking at the quantum worldview, looking at science as it really is, not the science that people pretend that it is. Newtonian science has been overthrown by quantum physics. Quantum non-locality is the reality. It's not like Newton said uh, 350 years ago. Of course, Newton, how could he know? You know, his time. Uh, the experiment right. we established with quantum physics, they could not be done in Newton's days. So uh, things like that just have to be uh, taught, have to be uh, understood, and then uh, we can change the world. Wonderful. I love it. I love it. And I think, uh, like you said, be the change you want to see. It's almost like you don't even have that choice. If you make that change, you're connected into the oneness and things are going to change for the better. So hopefully we see people, um, you know, not only taking this advice, but really exploring it further through through the lessons and the, the workshops and the, you know, reading materials that you provided for us. Yes. And my website is uh, amitgoswami.org, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I.org. So please. Perfect. And I, w I will put a link on that in the, in the summary when I get this posted. Wonderful. Great. Yeah, wonderful. Um, well, do you have anything else for us, Dr. Goswami? That's it. Thank you, Stuart, for inviting me. Great. Yeah, I, I really appreciate your time. I, I hope that uh, our consciousness have become entangled in part of the same oneness, because I know that'll make me happier. So, excellent, excellent. Well, again, I, I really appreciate your time um, being with us today on the Consciousness Podcast. Thank you, Stuart. That concludes another edition of the Consciousness Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash the Consciousness Podcast at our Twitter handle at ConchCast. And don't forget to subscribe to our feed at theconsciousnesspodcast.com. Thank you for listening.